two years ago now, um, I had been in the business, I'd been in the Texas retail market since there was a retail market. And, and despite fits and starts, there's been no real innovation in this market. And, uh, and that's the thing that was just sort of disconcerting when, when the market first opened, I was uh, having lunch with one of the utility commissioners. And it, oddly enough, when the market opened in 2002, uh, the, the natural gas prices blew up. So perfect. Just as we deregulate the market, prices start rising. And it had nothing to do with the structural deregulation. It had everything to do with the underlying commodity. So he was sort of bemoaning the fact that they were getting a lot of gruff. They're getting a lot of grief from consumers and from legislators over the fact, well, we deregulate the market and now prices go up. And his his concern was that the, the misconception is that deregulation equals cheaper. And that's never been the case. Anytime you open up a market, deregulation equals innovation, which may ultimately lead to more efficiency and cheaper and better. I mean, I always use the, the analogy of the, the telephone companies. Back before the bells broke up, you could pick the color of your phone and where you wanted it to plug in, and that was it. And when they broke up the bells, when they opened it to competition, we got call waiting, call forwarding, call answer. We got all these add-on services that were never imagined before these staid monopolistic enterprises were forced to do something new and clever. So my, my championing innovation as the reason and justification for deregulation, I'd just about gotten hoarse doing it because we had no innovation to show for it. And uh, I was about to the point where I was going to step back dramatically from the business. And um, the founder of OwnConnect, a fellow by the name Matt Dusterberg, tracked me down. And he said, you know, we, we're wanting to start a rep, but it's going to be a different kind of rep. We're going to actually apply technology to bring not just price, but value and customer education and behavioral change. And well, it was just music to my ears. So I was, I was thinking, well, I, I, I've devoted 20 years to this already. I can do a few more to see if we can bring something that, that finally delivers that promise of innovation and value, not just price, but value to consumers. And so that's what drew me in. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like for you personally, you were saying, "Hey, I've, it's been a lot of the same for twenty. Let's see if we can, let's see if this next chapter can be something that's pretty interesting." Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I have again said it probably too often, but the only real innovation in this market that we've seen is more clever ways to say I'm cheaper than the other guys, and uh, it, there are a lot of products out there that have the appearance of being money savers and great value to customers. But in the final analysis, a lot of these free nights and weekends or pick your free days, they're not giving anything to you for free. And customers ultimately are paying more than they would if they just went and bought a straight, plain vanilla, fixed price, 12 month, 24 month, 36 month product. Yeah, it's innovation isn't there, but people are being pretty creative in the way they frame right. the same thing, right? Right, marketing has been the greatest innovation. Now, OwnConnect truly, does bring a difference. You know, when we first, if, if, if imitation is the highest form of flattery, when I first started as sort of the one voice crying in the wilderness about the, the importance of DR and, and the value we bring to our customers and the larger benefit we could bring to the market. And, you know, the fact that this was all just post URI, the winter storm. And uh, so there was much talk and much consternation about how do we stabilize and ensure reliability. And that, that, Hysteria is still going on in the legislature. But 
I never, nor have has anyone from OutConnect ever asserted that we are the solution, but it's a complex question and we're part of that solution. And the more broadly, particularly retail consumers, residential consumers, embrace the notion of, well, I can shift my behavior to save myself some money, but also to save the, to provide stability to the grid, which again, saves them money. Because a lot of these other solutions are very, very, very expensive. So if we can just change our, our behavior, our consumption habits, uh, we can extend the invested capital that's currently on the ground. And that means that equates to a lot of dollars. And so talking about we're going to not just enroll customers or retail customers, but we're going to set them up with their very own demand response account simultaneously. They're not obligated to use it, but if they choose to, well, we'll pay you for the proper behavior. And so we were saying that, and I was saying that for actually quite a while. And now others, fortunately, are starting to kind of glom onto that theme. I, there's plenty of room in the market. We're not run out of potential demand response customers. So some of our peers who are out now heralding the same message is good because the more voices crying at the more mainstream or more quickly mainstream it can become. Yeah, establishes the category and you have less to explain in your conversations. Um, right. It, whenever you uh, made the you know made the decision to go to uh, OmConnect, what did your peers in the industry say? Did, were people were like, "Oh, this makes a lot of sense for you"? Did some people say, "Oh, this is crazy," or they're like, "Oh, this is great"? Like, what was the response? It was kind of all of the above. I uh, I had a number of them going, "Haven't you had enough fun in the retail business?" Um, others going, "Well, that's really innovative, but how are you going how are you going to get that message out?" And that is the biggest challenge. I mean, in the state of Texas, make no mistake, in the competitive markets. What sells power is price, plain and simple. And so we have to compete to win customers the first time around, just as any other rep. And then the second time around to convince them of the added value of participating in DR. Um, it was fairly easy for people to understand. I mean, I had a lot of personal time and effort and energy and a large portion of my career invested in this market. And, and I've always been a big cheerleader for the Texas market and the deregulatory structure. And so it was a fairly lo easy, logical leap, even for those going, I thought you were tired of running reps, um, to finally run one that might make a difference, that might really move the needle for this, this market. Because, you know, there's this inexorable change going on in how we generate power. We've got solar, we've got wind, and we're just going to get a lot more of both. And since they can't respond to load, we need to make load respond to them. Yeah, we've, we've talked about a smart grid for a very long time, and it's not particularly intelligent. But things like what we're offering will raise its IQ. And I think that's the direction we need to go. Yeah. And you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but what is the sort of uh, simplified layman's terms message to residents or consumers uh, when you're kind of explaining Own Connect to them? Well, it's, you know, it's our tagline, save energy, get paid. And so we monitor the market so you don't have to. And when there are times of scarcity, when the possibility of a blackout, I mean, that was, that was the Genesis story. Of this, of this company was because of the duck curve in California, because of the mismatch between when solar generates and when people get home and turn on the TV and the PlayStation and whatever, then there had to be a load shift in order to provide stability to that market. Well, the same is not nearly to the same extent, but the same phenomenon is occurring here. And so we tell people, now's the time that we need you to say, we need you to, we, and you don't even have to do anything if you connect your devices. We'll turn your thermostats on. We'll turn off your smart plugs. We'll do those things. And then we'll turn it back on 
when the when the crisis is passed, uh, and we'll pay you for it. Because what we do is we establish a baseline of your 10 days rolling average consumption. And so we know what you use every 15 minutes of every day for the past 10 days. And when we have an event, we can then gauge how far below that baseline you reduce your consumption and we pay you for it. And so people accumulate watts, which is the equivalent of airline miles or credit card points that can be traded in as payment on their bill. They can be traded in for a, a host of quite a variety of gift cards, donations to various charities. I mean, so there's all sorts of ways to extract the value, the, the incremental value that you generate for yourself. But the but the the punchline is save energy, get paid. And I guess the the subtext would that be modify your behavior and be rewarded because that's what we're trying to get people to do. Yeah, and what. Uh, of the people who have latched onto it sooner than others, uh, do you see certain trends or commonalities in the ones who raise their hand and say, yep, this looks good? You know, oddly enough, you would think that the people who raise their hand, jump in, are the people who are uh, advocates of climate, you know, of, of doing everything yeah. possible to to blunt the effects of climate change. But quite honestly, um, it's a pretty cross. Now, obviously, those folks are there and the early tech adopters are there. But, but the people that tend to, I would say, occupy the largest share are people who truly want to save money. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's something, it, it's great that there's all sorts of ancillary benefits to it. But these are people uh, that by providing them information, it, it, human, human nature being human nature, people behave in the way they're incentivized to behave. And so if you can show someone that acting in this manner will inure to your benefit, well, that's how they're going to act. And that's always been the case. It, it, a great example of that is years and years and years ago when they first put the, the, the fuel economy measure in cars, just telling people that if, you know, this is how many miles per gallon you're getting. And then they could see that by changing the rate at which they accelerate out of the light and how long it takes to stop and setting the cruise control, they could behave in a way that, again, inured to their benefit. And so average fuel mileage went up just by giving people feedback information to inform their behavior. And we're doing the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to drive 80 miles per hour. But if you see that you save a lot of gas by going yeah, 70 or 65. Exactly. If 75 start... will extend that tank an extra 40 miles, I'm not in that big a rush, right? Yeah. That, and those the are same those subtle nudges. Electric right. Yeah, subtle nudges. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, you, you talked about like maybe one of the uh, initial thoughts is like anybody who cares about climate is going to notice this and latch on to it. Of course, there's a difference between people who care about climate and the people who do something about it. Those right. aren't exactly the same. The vast difference. Now, vast the people who care about saving money and then actually take steps to save money, that probably is a right. much bigger pool, actually, it, at this point today. Absolutely, it is. And when you look at the... It, it, that's been even exacerbated by by the inflation we've seen over the last 18 months um it, another rep i ran way 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 back in in the early days before it was it was universal that everyone was going to provide a 100 percent green product we were testing to see if 100 percent green was worth the development time and so we did a focus group and, and i'm i that this has been a long time ago so it's 20 years the world's opinions have changed but we did a focus group and by show of hands, we asked who would pay more for 100% green energy? 100%. Everyone in the, in the room raised their hand. And then we had a written portion of the test 
Same question, zero. So it's all about that looking around. Yeah, I love baby seals kind of mindset. But but to your point, and it was an excellent point, most people don't recognize it. Everybody is willing to talk about saving the world and helping the environment. Oh, wait, is that going to cost me more money or is that going to be inconvenient? Well, I'll let my next door neighbor take care of it then. And more and more and more people, I think, are taking that step to where I believe it and I'll do something about it. Um, but but you're also right. There's a lot more people out there in the current economy that are willing to do what they need to do to save some money, particularly on something as significant. Uh, you know, we're rolling into the summer in Texas and electric bills mean something. Yeah. And they can save 10 percent just by using the data we give them to alter their behavior and then save another 10 percent with the rewards we provide. It starts getting meaningful. Yeah, I'd be curious to know the overlap on that. Um, there's some people who may not pay as much attention to their energy bill because, you know, they're more affluent and and um, it's not a, as big of a concern. Um, and those I wonder what percentage of those are the ones who would do it for environmental purposes and actually take a take a look at that. I don't know. I'd be curious to know how much overlap there is. You know, I wish I had a, a proper segmentation model to tell you, but it, it, we still just don't have we don't have enough history uh, in behaviors and, and customers to, to be able to, but I, I think that the interesting overlap is you have the people who are much more price elastic because of their affluence, but the, a lot of those tend to be nerds and they love the fact that, Oh, you're going to give me a free smart plug that I can plug in and yeah. I can program that for the, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the ones that don't want to do more or spend more or aren't that worried about their bill, they, they want the gadgets. And so you, and a good deal. Everybody likes a good deal. Absolutely. So we just changed the bait on the hook and we catch the same fish. Yeah. That's what I think is interesting about what you're doing is that um, there's, it seems like there's different levels to this. There's things you can do that don't require much behavior change or action at all. It's all fairly automatic. And then there's other stuff where there is behavior change and there's rewards for that. And you want to talk a little bit about the gamification uh, aspect of it that's introduced? Oh yeah. That's, and that was the other thing, you know, aside from my wanting to be part of a a real innovation, introduction of innovation to the market. Um, OwnConnect's done a beautiful job. It's it, you know, the gamification. <laughs> gamification was a word that I did not use uh, um, prior to my coming here. You didn't and use that in the past 20 years? <laughs> probably not in my lexicon, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. but, but I didn't even really understood what they meant till you experience it because it, it is exactly that. They, they, we have you, if you're a customer and you participate then you have, like your airline status, you have silver, gold, platinum, and in the rarefied few, the diamond status. And those are all determined by the level at which, the percentage at which you nor you reduce on average from events. And the benefit to that is as you your status goes up, then those rewards I was mentioning earlier, those watch you earn, become more valuable. Because if you want to buy something in our store, if you want to buy a gift card, if you want to redeem for for uh, bill credits those watts become more valuable as your participation increases and then we track streaks and it's streaks don't have any intrinsic value but it's like wordle you know once you once you get over about 15 you're become obsessive people want to keep getting that streak rolling and and the same is true for us and um the fact that you when you go to the rewards page you can spin a wheel and win a prize for you know invest a couple of a couple of hundred watts or, or you can buy raffle tickets against drawings that we have on a weekly basis. And so that it, it draws you into where you become 
much more engaged, much more invested. And we've found that for those that participate in it, um, we start to gain some price elasticity, which has never been the case in the Texas market. Texas customers generally have dropped you for a tenth of a penny. And we, we're still offering a very competitive rate, but it's not that you have to cut your, you know, slit your wrist to get down to the very, very bottom of the stack to enroll customers, which brings value to our, our business, our enterprise. And it, and it demonstrates to others, to, to our peers, that going that little extra mile to deliver more than just price to the customers is not only good for the customers, but it's good for them. And it's that sort of missionary work that we started two years ago that I think starting to resonate in, in the competitive marketplace. And I think ultimately, I hope ultimately, it'll spread and this will just become you know, something that everybody has on their bill. Who's your DR provider rather than who's your rep? Yeah. It's as I listen to you talk about kind of the behavior science and the gamification and the technology and all of that to this, it's encouraging because that stuff's been around for a while. A lot of people pioneered it in social media or video games. And we've learned a lot about, you know, what draws people in and what will get them to do this and that. Um, Some of it's been applied into the energy sector, but maybe not as much as all of these other sectors who have really taken it to a a really advanced level. So it's, it's great to hear that we can apply that to something that's, I mean, energy is so important to everything we do. Some would say energy is the only currency we have. So Right. It's, it's in some ways it's almost amazing it took us this long, but that's just the environment that it was in, and and, and we're well, here now. It's, but. It's, again, it's an entities like humans behave in the manner in which they're incented, and when you still look at the vast majority of electric consumption in this country, it's in fully integrated utilities, and their only incentive to behave differently is if their regulators happen to mention it would be really nice for your rate of return if you did this. We'll give you a performance bonus if you do that, and. Right now in, in Texas, as I, I kind of alluded to earlier, post winter storm Uri, energy has been the topic du jour for every jour since then. And uh, that there, we've recently had the Public Utility Commission recently had uh, a set of working groups, four working groups looking at demand response, energy efficiency, the structure of it, and how you deliver energy efficiency to low income customers. And um, what was interesting about that was that the, the, the utilities were obviously big players in that process because they, they have a lot of skin in that game. But the way they went about prioritizing objectives coming out of it was, does it require a rule change? Well, no. Well, if it does, then it was high priority. If it was a kind of gray area, it was a mid, medium priority. And if it didn't, it was low priority, just go do it. And so one of the things that was listed as low priority was getting utilities to work collaboratively with competitive retailers to drive the message of energy efficiency and demand response to consumers. And it was made a low priority because, well, you can do that already. I said, well, we've been able to do that for 20 years and no one's done it. The only way utilities will change their behavior is if they change the incentives that inform that behavior. So we actually do need a rule change. We actually need to pump that up to high priority and change the manner in which the the regulated portions of this business are still incentivized by the Public Utility Commission. And it wasn't particularly well received by the utilities, but you know, so be it. They, they have the keys and they have the the wherewithal to really drive broad penetration of 
just simple technologies that'll have enormous benefits if they're in large scale. How long has Home Connect been at it so far? Is it about eight years? Yeah, it's eight years in California, uh, two and two and change in Texas. Yeah, and where would you say when you imagine um, a future state uh, where you're saying, "Oh, yeah, we're really reaching as far as we think we can in Texas," like and, and where you look at today, like what where, where do you think you are on that journey, and, and oh, how far can it go? Like I say, we're not running out of potential customers just yet. Um, I, I think that. The real, the, the greatest challenge we have is sort of waking the sleeping giants out there and having them offer something comparable. And the, the good news is they are pretty heavily sleeping giants. I mean, that they're, they're the, the, the big incumbents, and I have to be careful. I have a really good friend who I inadvertently offended recently in an interview when I said they've got no incentive to, to uh, do anything innovative. And his title happens to be Enterprise Innovation. So he took some umbrage at that. And that's not what I mean. Their incentive, what small competitors like us and others that come up with novel new ideas that really change the customer experience, what they force the larger dominant players in the market to do is recognize that there might be a risk if they continue to do the same thing. So um, I think that as the message of you can save money, you can earn money, and it it's not it's not that uh oh gee the ac went off it must be broken oh no somebody's messing with the thermostat one of the things we do differently than the incumbents have is we talk to our customers a lot and we communicate with them that there's an event coming this is how long it's going to last this is when it's going to occur so that we don't disrupt their life we give them advance notice that they can plan around it and still be rewarded for changing that behavior and i mean so i think that you know, there's there's six million competitive meters in the state of Texas. We're not there yet. And I think all of them potentially, they can all benefit from it. And I think they're all potential customers. Yeah, I'm just, uh, as an outsider looking in, I, I think about, you know, what this would have looked like even just 15, 20 years ago. Um, you know, when energy is bountiful, you, you want customer services not have to think about it. And I flip a light and things turn on and the bills not breaking me each month. And so that's it. Like that's service. That's innovation is not having to interface with it and think about it. But technology has gotten to the point now where we are carrying computers around in our pocket and, and right. we've understand customer user experience and, and that type of thing. And we're more, I think, well, not everybody, but more aware that like, Hey, energy is an important topic. And actually if we play just the most minor of roles, uh, we can think make things easier on the grid, on the planet, on our wallet. And if we're really good at the way we interface back and forth between utilities and residents um, and kind of take all that refriction down to something that's pretty easy to incorporate into our day, like that, that's a huge game changer that really wasn't possible 20 years ago. I mean, you would have had to send something in the mail or call somebody and you couldn't do that at scale. Absolutely. No, it's, it's the, there's a, a classic example in, in, the, the electric competitive market in Texas is, you know, when you think about prepaid fill in the blank, phones, electricity, whatever, it has generally been the domain of low income. People that have credit issue or credit challenged um, and they're budget constrained. And so they have to they, they have to meter that those limited resources, meet those limited resources out. Um, 
what we're finding is the demographic for that is changing. The, the younger uh, people, they're, they're used to prepaid phones. They're used to this. That's their, their own enforced budgetary measure so that they can look and go, okay, well, I've got 10 days to go to the end of the month and I got 30, 30 bucks to get me there. We're going to turn off some lights. We're going to turn. And so it's, and it all comes back to that computer in your pocket. We couldn't do that if they didn't have instantaneous access to that data to inform their behavior. And so you're exactly right. That That is a massive change. The first demand response program I ever participated in when I moved to Houston a long time ago, uh, it was when it was still fully regulated, Centerpoint, or well, I guess it was Reliant at the time. Um, they would pay you, I think, 50 bucks for the summer, and they would install a device on your outdoor air conditioner compressor. And if they wanted to call a DR event, there were guys in trucks who would drive up and down the street blasting a ultrasonic radio frequency that would turn off your compressor for 15 minutes and then it would kick back on. And that was their DR. So if they had some section of their grid that was feeling a little strained, they'd put two Bubba's in a truck and turn them loose and they'd be blasting, you know, inaudible to the human ears, uh, yeah. waves that roll down the streets and the ACs would just kick off sequentially and time back in in 15 minutes. That was high tech back then. I mean, it still sounds a little high tech to me, but yeah, <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah, but that was it. That was uh, that was the first really interactive demand response program that I had any experience with. And that was a long time yeah. ago. To your point about earlier when you were talking about like, you know, driving down the road and you see how fast you go or you see what your uh, current gas mileage is and just providing that sort of feedback loop to the driver changes behavior. You're right. We have so much data available at our fingertips now. I mean, we would have. And it's, and for some reason, it's interesting. Like we've got, you know, watches on our wrists that tell us how we slept. We've got things on our phone. I mean, I just pulled up the app that shows what my power consumption is for today and what the solar right. offset is and all that. And, and seeing it makes you want to, you know, I want to know there's going to be a spike because we're going to turn the oven on here for dinner. I mean, we'll, we know these things and right. for years, I didn't know these things, you know? Well, I mean, it was it, it, utility utility rate making has always been the ultimate black box and the data behind it. You, you know, you touched on something a moment ago about the convenience factor that people have. One of the reasons that people are always resistive to change in their electric service is electricity falls for most consumers into the into the category of air and water. It's not a commodity. It's an entitlement. You know, I, I am entitled to flip that switch up and the lights should come on. And if I have a blackout that lasts 15 minutes, it's the next it's the next closest thing to the end of the world. And so I don't want to think about it. And that was one of the real big pushbacks when this market opened 20 years ago was people had never had to think about it. You know, they just knew who to hate. If my incumbent utility is going to charge me too much in the summer, they're, they're robber barons, blah, blah, blah. But I can't do anything about it. So I'll just, I'll just complain about it and go on about my life. And when given the choice, then there was that initial sort of tsunami of data, too many choices. And so they're overwhelmed by it. And so one of the things that's happened in this market, back to the, I want to turn on the switch, I want to pay as little as possible, and that's as involved as I want to get. And so a few years back, there was this concierge service that got launched, and now there's two and probably three, to where you pay $9.99 a month, and they will guarantee you that whenever your contract comes up for renewal, you're on the cheapest rate plan in the state of Texas. You never have to look at it. You give them a power of attorney, they can switch you. Hmm. And, and that has been a very successful model for the guy who formed it. He's a buddy of mine. Um, 
And it's been a very successful model. But I think now that as we go, and, and that is that is a perfect in a market where price is the only determinant. And that's the paradigm we're trying to break, where it's not just price anymore. Price matters, but it's not the only thing. What else are you, what other value, what other information, what other capabilities are you bringing along with a, a fair price? And I think that's where we've set ourselves apart in this market. Yeah, that's cool. What do you think is next for Connect and in the in the market in general? I mean, as you look forward, like maybe five years, ten years, whatever. What what are you what are you picturing? I think you know the the market. As I mentioned earlier, we are on a path to um, a generation fleet dominated by renewable energy. Uh, um, batteries right now are great as long as your blackout doesn't last more than two hours, four hours maybe. Um, I don't think that there's a future probably in my lifetime that doesn't involve thermal generation, responsive, dispatchable generation. Uh, Texas is grappling with that right now. I think that though, when you look at the price impact on the forward wholesale curve that a proliferation of renewable, particularly solar has had in Texas, our curve has been, it's part of a problem actually. Part of the reason we don't have as much dispatchable generation is solar so darn cheap and it just keeps getting cheaper. Um, so I think we're going to have an increasingly uh, renewable dominated generation fleet with the right kind of long duration responsive assets that can come into play when, you know, it's exceptionally hot, exceptionally cold, exceptionally cloudy for a long duration. I, I, I think that one of the things that and I don't know the answer. I've, I've you know, keeps talking lithium, lithium. There's a, a myriad of different chemistries out there for batteries. Um, I don't know which one's going to alter, which one's going to be the beta and which one's going to be the VHS uh, somewhere down the road. Some of your listeners may not know what that is, but that's okay. They don't know what eight tracks are either. Um, but there's going to be, there'll be a shakeout from a technology standpoint. Performance and price are the two metrics that are going to ultimately drive that. Um, you, pointed out you have solar at your home. I don't know if you have batteries, but if you do have batteries, that's when that's when it goes from your payout scheme to your grandchildren's payout scheme, because right now they're horrifically expensive. They're great from an autonomous, freestanding, resilient standpoint, but they don't make sense economically. And when you start putting in hundreds, if not thousands or several thousand megawatts of batteries, it starts impacting the cost of the grid. So uh, that's on the wholesale side. For, for Ohm Connect. We're in New York now. Uh, we're looking at other markets to go into. We're looking at a whole home energy management system to where that automation, that convenience that we've talked about that people crave, where I, I want it to work well, I just don't want to have to be the one turning the screws. So we're looking at rolling out an, an energy management service. Um, we've got some great investors, one of whom is a, a big solar player, SunPower. And... So we're partnering with them to where we can add more value to their customers with the products and services we sell. So, I mean, I think that what started as a, a clearly a need at the time, eight years ago, when California was looking at blackouts and the mismatch between consumption and generation, they provided that bridge. But as we continue to move forward and people get used to what we're doing now, they're gonna continue demanding more, more convenience, more information, more flexibility. And we're working hard to deliver that. Yeah. So let me run something by you and tell, and you tell me if I'm crazy. Um, Cause I think you have a better beat on it than I do. 
but this is this is my perception of where we're at just overall for like home energy is we're still in the first wave of it and you've got certain states certain areas certain types of folks who are uh uh thinking about it more putting more thought into it um debating this or that which technologies they're going to use if they're going to play an active role in this and so it went from nobody thinks about it or very few people think about it to now all of a sudden there's a new wave of people who are do i add panels do i have battery do i want to have um you know uh smart devices do i want to you know participate in these types of things and i think we'll do that for i don't know however many years and then we'll hit the second wave where a new house just comes with these decisions already made for you and we kind of go back to the days of it kind of being taken care of for you and you don't think about it again but we still we're still wrestling with all the new technologies and what decisions are right for right what person and where they live and that type of thing and so we have to go through that wave before we get to the next one where we don't think about it again that's my perception and i i think that's i think that's a a fair characterization you know we're kind of in the bolt-on stage right now uh um homes didn't come with smart this smart that smart something else and so you have appliance manufacturers that are starting to serve that segment of the population that wants that you know your example we get to the point where nobody has roll down windows in their cars anymore Remember, it used to be quite the luxury to have the electric windows. Well, you mean they still make those with a crank? And and I think we'll get to that. What I, I think the one variant I'd take on your analogy is that once we get to the point where every car has electric windows, then people are going to want a nav system. So there's always going to be that add-on next thing. And as we get people adopting technology and realizing that change is not necessarily a bad thing and that innovation actually does bring value, it does bring convenience, it does bring you know, better informed decisions, whatever attributes you want to pick, then people are always going to be asking, okay, well, what's what's the next big thing? So I think that we're, we're in that early phase of people adopting innovation and change to something is just as core and fundamental as electricity. And that's a, that's a big missionary lift right there, getting people to say that we're going to do something very different in the way that we've done it, my parents did it, my grandparents, everybody who's ever had electricity did it. And, and we now understand the benefit of that behavioral shift. That's the phase that we're fighting our way through. And it's, it's going in fits and starts because, you know, like you, I've got solar in, at my place in the country. I've got batteries, primarily because I'm sitting at literally the end of the line. <laughs> and so when the power goes out, they don't rush to turn it back on. So my batteries were not an economic decision. But there are a lot of people post-URI, post-URI, the winter storm in Texas, it, I've spoken to several battery manufacturers and it's the people who are either going to get a Generac or they were going to get a, they were going to get a Tesla Powerwall or a Fortress E-Vault or, you know, pick a battery and they were going to get that for their home to give them some resilience in case it goes out again. And so people are starting to recognize that putting solar on your home, putting a battery in your home is not about saving the planet. It has that additional benefit. But the other benefit is it gives you a, an element of autonomy and independence. And, and I think that's the phase where people are working their way through all these changes and innovations and realizing it's not this myopic, this is the only thing it does. There's lots of advantages. And the more people understand that, the more broadly it will be accepted. Yeah, that's cool. What about the work you're doing is, is personally rewarding for you right now? Well, I, again, it's weird being a bit of a pied piper. I'm, I'm, I think it comes across I'm not a particularly repressed individual. And um, 
being able to go out and say, this is why this is a good idea and this is why I think you should do it, it can be kind of a lonely process at the outset. But when you start, you start hearing yourself from other quarters, then you realize that that message is starting to resonate. And so I've been at it for two years. As I say, there are a few notable players in this market that I feel like they they copied some of our earlier press releases, which is That's cool. a good sign. That's a good it's sign. It's a great sign because it means I didn't say anything stupid and they believe it and they're now helping to push the, the lead. cause. Well, yeah, at least I didn't say anything profoundly stupid. And and uh, and they're starting to help in our efforts to, to explain the value, to drive acceptance, uh, because the more people that that understand what demand response is, the more people that understand the value of demand response, then the more potential customers I have. I don't have to just win them on price at that point. Once it becomes something that people are looking for, then they have another metric by which to judge you. And that promise of innovation that my my, my commissioner friend years and years and years ago uh, kind of wistfully mentioned, we finally get to deliver on the innovation that this market deserves. Yeah. Yeah, the categories being created, people will say, well, yeah, I've been thinking about demand response and oh, this is your, this is what you have to bring to the table versus what is this concept? And this feels That's scary right. and risky to me. Yeah. That's right. Wait, wait, wait. You're going to mess with my AC in August? No, nah, I don't think I want you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> never heard of this. This feels like a new concept. Uh, who sent you? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who are you? Are we, I don't recognize your brand. So just please leave me alone. Assuming we have people in California, Texas, New York, or others, or even in the industry, and they wanted to learn more about Home Connect, what is there a good place that you could send them? Website, social feeds? Where yeah, well, uh, the the parent company, HomeConnect.com. Um, that's you can learn everything there is about the company, the the, the mission, the values, uh, what we're doing. And if you're in Texas, it's tx.homeconnect.com. That'll get you to our page. It'll tell you about what we're doing here um it'll tell you about the products that we offer and uh, which change all the time you know based on the forward price as i say we're not we're not going to get there's a there's a competitive site in texas managed by the public utility commission called power to choose and it's just a great big open comparison marketing site and it has historically been the home of bait and switch where you know the reps will go in they'll they'll put sort of shady offers with the idea that maybe the customer will fall asleep and they can crush them when that when that fixed price goes away and variable kicks in. Um, we're there. We're not doing the race to the bottom pricing, as I like to call it. We offer a fair, a fair commodity price, but a very, very valuable offer. And so you can find us on our webpage. You can find us on Power to Choose. And I say for our California, if you want to know more about the company and sort of the core of why we're here, uh, I, the, the ownconnect.com page is the place to go. That's great. Don, enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed hearing more about what you guys are doing and what you're doing next. Well, thanks so much. It was great visiting.